And before you know it, you don't even realize the person that you're looking at in the mirror anymore. So the Lord said, I've got to give you something else. So while in the world you'll have tribulation, he said, be of good cheer. Just go on and keep rejoicing. Just go on and keep being happy. Just go ahead and keep celebrating. Keep praising. Keep praying. Keep worshiping. Keep being that uh, that child of God with that joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. He said, be of good cheer for I have overcome the world and I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'm with you always, even until the end. Let me tell you, uh, the one that beat it all lives inside of you and I today. He's with us. And so it might get bleak. It may get dark. It may seem awful. It may be very stormy or very fiery, whichever uh, direction you want it to be. But let me tell you, it will never be without him. It might be famine. It might be flood, but it will never be without him. It may lack some natural things of this life, but it will never lack him. Come on, somebody. You ought to be thanking God today. You might be doing without some things today, but let me tell you, you will not do without him. He will be with you wherever you go. And if there's something that you're doing without today, he knows you can live without it. He wouldn't let you go without what you needed to live. God's going to take care of his people. Always has, always will. And I'm thankful for him today. Wherever you're at today, give the Lord one more hand clap. I'm thankful for the Lord today. That's right. Just clap your hands in your living room right now. Hallelujah. Get your kids to jump up and shout hallelujah. Praise God. We're thankful to be here. And I want to say thank you to our praise team and our music for being here today. The ones you can't see that are running sound and media. Uh, thank you for being here today to help us bring this to our people. We love and appreciate you. Appreciate everyone that's been praying, doing, uh, just being faithful to the church, even when we're not at church. Thank you for doing all that you do. Praise God. Today, uh, this, this time of year, of course, uh, with so many things, we, we focused on uh, the Lord and the sacrifice he made. And of course, today, Resurrection Sunday. Today, uh, if you have Bibles, you're following along with us today. I'm going to read uh, these scriptures, John 10, verses 17 and 18. John 10, verses 17 and 18. For all of our Restoration Apostolic Church family, if you will make sure when this service is over today on our public, I mean our private group page, we will have the video from all of our church members will be playing immediately after service. I know normally after Resurrection Sunday service, we're all shaking hands and hugging and taking pictures and seeing each other. And since we can't do that today, we've put together a video of our, our church people uh, just giving everybody a little love and a little message. So uh, be sure to turn tune in to the Rack group page uh, when this service is over today. John 10, 17 and 18 says this. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He says, therefore, doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power. Somebody ought to say, I have power. The Bible says that we shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. And I want to preach for a little while on this thought today. A victor and not a victim. A victor 
and not a victim. Tell your husband, your wife, your kids, wherever you might be today, your neighbor, if you're standing beside somebody right now, say you're a victor and not a victim. Hallelujah. Let's pray for the lesson this morning. Jesus, thank you once again for the power of your resurrection. Lord, we thank you today that it has established our faith. Lord, and now we ask you to bless our minds and hearts. Lord, to receive this word, God, that we might be changed and be better and be ready to meet you when you come. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone, wherever you are, said amen in Jesus' name. Give the Lord one more hand clap of praise today. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're thankful for you today, Jesus. Thankful for you today. Wherever you are, if you're not sitting down already, you can be seated. I know you have to say that. Well, I don't have to, but uh, I just like to stay in the routine. You know, it's, uh, people say, well, we don't, since church is not church as usual, I don't have to do things as usual. It, well, maybe we have to change up a little bit, but it's good to stay in the routine of praying and fasting and reading. And, and so I, I try to keep some of these things that help keep me grounded. I, I try to make sure I stay with them. We are victors today. We are not victims. Because Jesus... Who, when he transformed what seemed like an overwhelming defeat into history's greatest victory. It looked like this would be the end of, of this little uh, three years of ministry. It looked like this would be the end. When he, when he transformed that defeat into history's greatest victory, when he walked out of that grave, that means something for us because what he did, he did as an example to us. That means our defeats also can be transformed into victory. That means that we have the victory already. Thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm so thankful today for the victory we have in Jesus. I wonder how it must have been for Peter and John as they ran to that tomb. I know that John was the beloved and, and Jesus loved him. And Peter, oh, Peter was Peter. But I tell you, the Lord loved him and gave him the keys to the kingdom and when they got to that tomb and saw that, that dark hole, that, that opening, that empty uh, cave, I just wonder how, how it must have been, what they really felt. Did they have any idea at all what was about to happen? But let me tell you, the emptiness of that tomb, uh, it, it wasn't uh, something that was, should bring sorrow, but the emptiness of that tomb, it declared the victory that would fill every believer from that time forth. Oh, yeah, it might have looked empty, but let me tell you, it was about what you couldn't see. It wasn't about what you could see. They did see the grave clothes, and they did see uh, that, that, uh, that napkin he had on his face, but you know what they didn't see? They didn't see him. Let me tell you, it's about what you don't see sometimes, because the things you can see, they're temporal, but the things you can't see, they're eternal. And when they didn't see a body, when they didn't see, uh, I don't even believe there was, might not even been any blood in that tomb. It, everything that was of him was just gone. Wasn't nothing left but what people, you know, they, they wrapped him up in some grave clothes like they were wrapping up a, 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 a heirloom to just put in place and, and hope it stays there. But let me tell you, he wasn't an heirloom. Oh no, he wasn't a false God, but he was God Almighty manifest in the flesh. And when they come back to things that they wrapped, they, like I, said, I guess they thought, well, he's dead. We'll just wrap it up. But let me tell you, you can't keep him wrapped up because he wasn't done. He said in three days, he said, go ahead and destroy this body because in three days, I'm going to raise it up. So the emptiness of that tomb the, it, was, it was declaring out loud uh, the victory that would now fill every believer's life. 
We are not victims, but we are victorious today in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm glad today uh, that uh, Jesus can change situations. It's easy in this life uh, for us to feel like victims sometimes when things are out of our control and things happen to us that we had no idea were going to happen. Think about uh, how things changed for the disciples in one week. At the beginning of the week, they they come in uh, with Jesus to Jerusalem and people are celebrating and crying, Hosanna to the son of David. And they're laying palm branches and garments down in front of him. They're just praising him. And they follow uh, Jesus, uh, been following him for three, three and a half years. And they're thinking, man, this is this is it right here. This is what we've been waiting on for people to recognize who he is and, and to get behind this uh, message, this gospel that we're preaching, this savior that we serve. And they keep going on and, and then Jesus goes into the temple. He's cleansing the temple, turning over tables. This house should be a house of prayer, but you've made it a a den of thieves. And he's healing all the sick people and the children are just worshiping. Hosanna to the son of David. But it's not very long after that. Not very long after that. That all of a sudden they find themselves fleeing for their lives as Jesus is arrested in the garden. They watch as they drag him away, arrested. They watch as they uh, mock him and ridicule him and beat him and whip him. They, they watch as they take him to that hill of Calvary. They watch as they drive the nails in his hands. And they hear from Jesus himself say, it is finished. And they have no idea that what he's talking about. I'm sure that many thought, Uh, Even this man himself said, there's nothing else I can do. It's finished. I'm sure a lot of people who had no understanding of what was going on in the spirit world thought, well, this is the end of this little movement. It's over. The miraculous ministry is finished. Hey, hey, even heaven's silent. They would say, leave him alone. Let's see whether uh, uh, Elisha will come down or Elijah will come down and save him. Let's, let's, Let's see. If, uh, he, if he can, if he is a son of God, let's see if he can come off that cross. And, and they don't even, where are the miracles at now? Where's the water walking? Where's the leprosies being healed? Where, where, where are the blind and the, where's Lazarus at right now? Where, where are the miracles at right now? As he takes his last breath, they, they take him down. Joseph of Arimathea removed his body, placed him in a tomb. They wrapped him up. And, and then uh, a week that had begun with such a tremendous expectation ended in what looked like was a terrible defeat, just terror and heartache for these disciples. And when things go wrong like this, it is very tempting for us to say, hey, we're victims, to view ourselves as victims. Maybe these disciples walked home and thought, did we just waste three years of our life? Maybe, hey, you don't know. We don't want to think about things like that. But who, who walked away saying, why did I leave everything to follow this man? I watched him die. We thought he was going to be, we know there were two men walking and talking and they were very sad. And, and Jesus even said, why are you so sad as you go along? Because, the, hey, you're a stranger around here. Don't you know what's happened? Don't you understand that we put all our hopes in Jesus and now he's dead? They didn't realize they're talking to him. See, people didn't realize what was going on inside that tomb. They didn't realize that uh, one day was passing and two days and then three days passing and then here comes Jesus raising from the dead. 
But it's easy for us to take the victim mentality when we feel like I didn't deserve this. You know, maybe, uh, maybe you didn't, your life went in a way that you didn't think it should have went. You lost a job. You had an accident. You know, we, we've all been through things, church splits, bad relationships, financial catastrophe. It, it wasn't nothing we just brought on ourselves maybe, but, but it just happened. We had to deal with problems that were not our own making. We, uh, we travel in a world today that's full of trouble, and we travel it in a body that is daily getting older a lot faster than we would like it to be. Maybe you didn't want to have a divorce, but it happened anyway. You never dreamed you'd get that diagnosis, but now hospital visits are part of your weekly routine. How did I get to this place? I did my best to raise my kids in the truth and raise them in church, and now they're wandering far away from the church and their spiritual home. And I didn't ask for it, but trouble has landed in my lap anyway. And it's tempting to just take on that little cloak of the victim because it makes us feel validated. It gets sympathy. You know, people are always sympathetic to the victim. Oh, I'm so sorry this happened. And it, it kind of validates us. I, I didn't do this. this was, I'm a victim here. And we like to, to, to make it look like, hey, this was none of my doing. My hands are clean. This just happened to me. Everybody and everything's against me. I'm a victim. Let me tell you something. If there was any man that never deserved the suffering he went through, it was Jesus. The Bible says he was tempted, but he never sinned. He walked in perfect wisdom. The Bible says he was God manifest in the flesh. He was the embodiment of wisdom and knowledge. He never made decisions, rash decisions based on his pride. He didn't come to, to build a reputation. He didn't uh, give in to ego or lust or fickle human emotions. And even when Satan tempted him in the wilderness with all this worldly fame and power, Jesus refused it, choosing to stick to the word of God and to walk the path that was ordained from him for him from the foundation of the world. He knew that that road would lead to the cross, but he chose to walk it anyway. But none of us, we can't make the same claim that Jesus made because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. Basically, if we would be honest, we are simply reaping what we have sown. When presented with opportunities to take the easy road and, and just bypass God's plan for our life, we gave in. We chose the pleasures of sin for a season. We failed to resist temptation in a moment. We knew better, but we did it anyway. We failed to keep our mouths shut. We neglected our responsibilities. We squandered our opportunities that were before us, and we took people for granted. The author, the author, Robert Louis Stevenson said this, sooner or later, everyone will sit down to a banquet of consequences. Let me tell you, there ain't nothing on that table that you want to eat. Ain't nothing there that you want. Well, my goodness, Pastor, that just sounds awful. Does this mean that all we have to look forward to is a life of suffering and defeat? Is tomorrow filled with nothing but misery and regret? And is there hope for the future? Or are we just trapped in the clutches of our enemy helplessly watching as he tears our life apart. Oh, no. Let me tell you something. There is good news. If you have put your faith in Jesus, if you have put your faith in what Jesus did at Calvary, let me tell you, you need to get your eyes 
off those situations and do like the scripture says and look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Let me tell you, this is not a time to wave the white flag of surrender, but this is time to get your eye. It's time to lift up the bloodstained banner. It's time to say, I've got victory in Jesus today. This is not a time to take on the victim mentality. This is a time that you declare, I am victorious, just like my Savior. Hey, let me tell you, if his world could turn around in one week, our world can turn around in one week. But if he can rise up from it, honey, you and I can too. You need to quit laying there feeling sorry for yourself or trying to gain sympathy and just stand up and say, in the name of Jesus, I will walk out of this just like Jesus did. Always somebody lift your hands and praise God right where you are. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> praise God. This ain't a time to, to wave the white flag. This is a time to see. Let me tell you, you, once you see what Jesus has overcome, And once you see what Jesus has put inside of you, you realize you start looking with a different viewpoint. You may not like what's coming, but you like what's coming after. What do you mean? Victory is coming after. Nobody likes the fight. Let me tell you, but we all like the spoils. And when you serve Jesus, you're going to come through on the top. He said you'd be above only and not beneath. You'll be the head, not the tail. Let me tell you. We are more than conquerors through him. I can do all things through him. Let me tell you, today it's still true that I can get up whenever I get knocked down because Jesus got up whenever they put him down. The world will try to wrap you up in its grave clothes and say, that's it, it's over, you're done. Oh no, I'm looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. What looked like an apparent triumph at the cross The enemy thought he had him. I'm sure that the devil thought, well, this is it. But let me tell you, that apparent victory at the cross contained the seeds of his ultimate defeat. He had no idea. Let me tell you, if he had known, he'd have tried to keep him alive as long as possible. Don't let him spill one drop of blood. Let me tell you, the devil would have been telling him, angels, you make sure that you are keeping his foot so he don't dash it against a stone. I don't want one drop of sin-cleansing blood to be spilled. If they had known what was coming, they'd have kept him alive. You know, he was wishing, woo, that Jesus had took that offer and fell down and worshiped him. But if he had known, I don't believe he did know. I don't believe he had any idea of what was coming. I think he really thought we got him. We beat him. He might have could do miracles while he was walking, but we have killed him. He did take his last breath. Of all the people he saved, he didn't save himself. Of all the people he raised from the dead, he he hadn't raised himself, but he hadn't healed himself. We got him. Till three days later. And the one who looked like the ultimate victim became the ultimate victor. He wears the victor's crown. Even Pilate, when they hung him on the cross, and he was hanging there, and, and you know, there's different accounts, but they, uh, he was hanging there and, and just uh, exposed and in shame and, and just brutalized, and, and he was uh, hanging there just suffering. But above his head, it said, this is Jesus, the king. The Jews did, oh, you, you just write that he said he was the king. He said, what I have written, I have written. Even one man standing by the cross looked up and he said, Surely this is the Son of God. Ain't nobody can do this except the Son of God. Ain't nobody can do this but the King of glory. He is the ultimate victor. 
His suffering was not a prelude to defeat. It was the means by which he conquered sin and death for all of humanity. When Jesus suffered those things, it was awful. Those that loved him did not like watching it, but they had no idea. Three days later, he's coming back. He, what he's doing right now, he's beating death, hell, and the grave. You know, there's a, a very famous fight with Muhammad Ali and George Foreman. I, and I just thought about this. And they coined a phrase that Ali used the rope-a-dope in that fight because he just laid on the ropes and let George Foreman wear him out. He just kept punching and kept punching, and Ali just—I mean, just round after round—and and just letting him go and go go. And then finally, Foreman was so wore out, it looked like Ali would be defeated. But then, just like that, Ali comes back and knocks Foreman out. He let he let Foreman throw everything he had at him for all those rounds. And I'm sure Foreman thought, "I got him. I'm landing punches. I'm going to get him. I'm wearing him out." And Ali was just saying, "Come on." Just keep, keep throwing them, keep throwing them. I'm telling you, when they nailed him in that cross, when they walked by wagging their head, when they were making fun of him and mocking him, I know he was thinking in his mind, just come on. Because for the joy that was set before him, he knew that he was going to be the victor. He, he was willing to take that cup because he knew once I get through that cross, here comes the victory. This is going to be tough. It's going to be hard. My flesh is going to want to fight against it. But I know that once this is over with, so so come on, hit me with another lash, punch me in the face again, drive another nail in my hand. But let me tell you, when this is over, I'm going to rise in newness of life. I'm going to rise in victory. You can't keep me down. Look like a victim. Looks can be deceiving. He was the ultimate victor. If you're presently enduring some kind of suffering, let me remind you of what Paul said because these words are true. In 2 Timothy 2 and 12, he said, If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we suffer, oh, we lose. If we suffer, oh, we're defeated. If we suffer, nothing's going right now. If we suffer, we shall reign. It was Paul that also said, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Oh, that that affliction. But Paul said, uh, it worketh for us. Your problem is working for you. You'll realize sometimes that that trial is getting things out of you. You don't realize sometimes that that agony is getting stuff out of you. You don't realize that that what you're going through is actually working for your glory, for our light affliction, which is for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. He said in the grand scheme of things, it don't measure up to nothing, but you need to get this. It works for you. Again, we can remind ourselves that Paul said all things work together for good to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. Let me tell you today, it might be bad, but it's working for you. You feel like it's working on you, but let me tell you, it's working for you to get you some glory. You feel like this thing is wearing me out. It's working on me. Hey, just let it keep working. It's not working on you. It's working for you. It'll make you better. It'll make you more faithful. It'll make you a better prayer warrior. It'll cause you to seek God. It'll cause you to fall on your face. It'll cause you to pray in tongues. It'll cause you to be everything that Jesus knew you could be. Don't ever discount tribulation 
works patience and patience, experience and experience, hope and hope maketh not a shame. You got to realize that this tribulation, this trouble, this trial is working for you. Write it down. Put that on your refrigerator, on your mirror so you see it every day. My trouble is simply working for me. Listen, just like Jesus did at the cross, he is still today turning people's defeats into triumphs. You know how I know it? Because I see prodigals coming back to the Lord. I see people coming to the Lord. I see people laying down drugs and alcohol and walking away from sin. I see people coming back to a place where they can touch God again and pray and seek his face. I see Jesus still turning defeats into triumph. The devil's not winning. Don't, don't let that, don't let it, he's a liar. He, hey, he ain't in control of nothing. In fact, he is simply sowing the seeds of his own defeat. And we're going to experience deliverance like you've never seen if we stay faithful. Jesus said in John 10 and 10, The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I want you to to listen to the wording right here. The thief cometh. That means he may not be here yet, but he's coming. Oh, there's a promise in there. He's coming. You're going to have trouble. It's coming. Think it not strange, the fiery trial that is to try you. Peter said that. He wrote that to the church. We know we have an enemy, uh, adversary of the devil, as a roaring lion going about seeking whom he may devour. So he's coming. But Jesus said, I am come. In other words, I'm already there. I'm, I'm with you. He's coming, but I'm here. And once he's done stealing and killing and destroying I still got life. I'll bring you right back to life. I'm still the resurrection and the life. Oh, he's coming. The thief cometh, but I am come. I'm already there. I'm with you. I'm walking with you through it. Honey, you ain't never going in it by yourself. You think them three Hebrew boys in that fire had to look around and find Jesus? He was waiting on them to get there. He was already there waiting on them. You think Daniel had to wonder where Jesus was when he was in that den of lions? Honey, he was already there. The thief's coming, but I got somebody here with me. Yeah, I got somebody living inside of me. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. The one in the world, he's coming, but the one that saved the world, he's already there. The one that gave you the victory, he's already there. Well, I'm thankful today that he is already there. I know sometimes it feels like we're clean, we're, it feels like we're on that day of crucifixion. And we're so sad and we wonder, how am I going to make it to resurrection day? You're going to make it. What you got to do is have confidence in the word of God. We live by the word of God. Jesus said that he was tempted in the wilderness. And and finally he said, listen, uh, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He, He said that in the middle of trials and trouble. You know how you get through trials and trouble and tribulation and temptation? The word of God. You know how you're going to get through sickness? The word of God. He's the healer of all my diseases. And they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. By his stripes we are healed. Let me tell you, you're going to get through it with the word of God. Our victory has already been prophesied. If God be for us, Paul asked, who can be against us? There ain't nothing. Listen, you've got to have faith in the word of God. When I fall, I shall arise. There is no weapon formed against me that shall prosper. How about Jeremiah 29, 11? You love that one. I know it's on your hand towel somewhere. For I know the thoughts 
that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil to give you an expected end. God has already got things he's thinking about for you. I'm sure that Jesus took comfort in the scripture. In our opening scripture, he said, this commandment I have received of my father. I already knew this was coming. My father let me know. Or maybe he thought about what the psalmist wrote about him in Psalm 16, 10 and 11. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither will you suffer your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. Did you hear what he said? I'm sure Jesus took comfort in it. You ought to as well. But he said, you will not leave my soul in hell. You feel like you're going through hell on earth? You ain't staying there. He is going to bring you out. He said, you won't suffer me to see corruption, but you will show me the path of life. Honey, if it takes your last breath, he's the resurrection and the life. If you feel like I don't have a spiritual breath left in me, just hang on. Jesus is about to breathe some life back into you. He's still the resurrection and the life. You're not a victim today. Don't lay down to be the victim. Let, let the enemy just walk all over you. You stand up in the name of Jesus and declare your victory today. Jesus knew the cross was coming, but he also knew it was not the final stop. This ain't where, I know I said it's finished, but y'all, it's cause y'all hard to hear it and you don't know what I'm talking about. I done told y'all I destroyed this temple in three days I raised it up, but you couldn't get it. You had worldliness in your ears. You couldn't hear what I was saying. So you, so you think I'm done. You think it's over. Whenever we get uh, too worldly, whenever we stop listening to what Jesus is actually saying, we'll never get it. And, and that's what, that's why they were so sad. That's why, you know, the, you know what? If they had understood it, they'd all just been standing outside the tomb. What day is it? What time is it? If they had understood that he was coming back in three days, man, every believer of Jesus would have flooded that cemetery and they'd have been waiting right there to watch it happen. But everybody was hiding. Everybody was afraid. Everybody thought we'd been defeated. Had no idea that Jesus was about to come out of that grave. Destroy this temple. Three days, he said, I'll raise it up. Let me tell you, they saw him suffer. And this world might watch you suffer. They might watch what it can do to you. They might watch the destruction it can bring to your life. But if you'll trust Jesus, they'll see the victory also. If you'll trust Jesus, they'll see. Hey, you know what? When he came out of that grave, when they finally saw him, when he appeared to Mary and she recognized it was him, and, and let me tell you, when he was walking down that road, they didn't have any idea it was Jesus. They were just like, talking to this guy, invite him in for supper, and until he breaks bread, they don't even realize it's him. Hey, he wasn't dripping with blood. His skin wasn't hanging off his body. He didn't have no holes in his forehead where they put that crown of thorns. He, he didn't look nothing like he did. Let me tell you, Jesus still makes all things new. He's still able to make all things new. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Now, hey, let me, he still has some scars in his hands and has some scars on his feet and a, and a, a place in his side. He said, I'm going to leave a testimony there, but, but, but you're not going to see me walking around all beat up when the world thought they had me. I'm not going to walk around carrying the wounds of the world like that so they can think they still got me. I'm going to show them. I'm going to walk in the newness of life. And whatever got you in this life, that don't have to be you anymore. Just take it to Jesus. Hey, go, just take it to Jesus. Let me read you this. Romans 6 and 5, 
Paul had been talking about uh, being born of water, being baptized in the name of Jesus. He'd been talking about uh, being buried with him in baptism. And in Romans 6 and 5, he says something just, I love it. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Man, I feel like I'm being false accused. I feel like I'm being whipped. I feel like I'm being tried unfairly. I feel like uh, uh, they, they taking my life. I feel like this is the end of me. I feel like they wrapping me up and putting me in the tomb and rolling the stone over me. If I have been in the likeness of his death, I'm going to be in the likeness of his resurrection. He died with the sin of the world on him. Sometimes there's a time in my life I was dead in sin. Let me tell you, if I have been in the likeness of his death, then I'm going to also be in the likeness of his resurrection. And let me tell you, when he come out and when they saw him appear in that upper room, peace be unto you. Again, he wasn't bleeding. He wasn't torn to shreds. He wasn't bruised and battered and beat up anymore. And they, they realized it was him, but wow. What a transformation. Don't let nobody hold those old wounds over you. Don't let nobody hold. Listen, maybe you suffered some abuse, made some mistakes, had some things go wrong in your life. But once Jesus gets rid of it, then you walk in the newness of life. You walk out, you may have a testimony like he did. Those scars in his hand, feet, and side, that was his testimony. But you ain't got to walk around all bloody and battered and looking like you defeated. And you ain't got to walk around with your head down saying, well, drugs did this to me and alcohol did this to me or somebody did this to me. You can walk with your head lifted up saying, Jesus has given me the victory. I'm not a victim any longer. He still makes all things new. You just got to listen to what the word says. And so uh, then remember this. How am I going to make it through? Remember that he loves you and love never fails. Love conquers all. Love will take love, covers a multitude of sin. Jesus said in John 10 and 17, my father loves me. When he was talking about, when he was describing what he was about to go through, uh, he was talking about, how much his father loved him. It's easier to go through some things when we know that the people who love us the most are there regardless of our faults. God's love does not mean that we will not suffer or have to endure consequences of our actions. If you break the law, you go into jail. It don't mean God don't love you, and it don't mean you can't be forgiven, but uh, the court, they don't side with God all the time. And if you murder somebody, guess what? You go into jail but you can be forgiven. If you stole something, you're going to jail, but you can be forgiven. So uh, there are consequences. Well, I thought God loved me. How did he let me go to prison? Well, because you swindled people out about $8 million. How about that? That'll, that'll get you locked up every day. Listen, you're going to have to pay the price sometimes. Uh, you know, uh, you, you can't do all those things. I, I've seen people that have come to God and God uh, used them mightily and they were great preachers. They pastored churches, but uh, they wrecked their body with drugs and alcohol as a young person and in their later life. They developed a disease and, and had cirrhosis and, and, and they died you know, uh, with those, that kind of sickness in their life. But, but man, they preached the gospel. They loved God because they knew, hey, what matters most is that God has washed my sins away. God has given me the ultimate victory. I'm not a victim. This is, I'm reaping what I sown. 
Yeah, could God heal me? Sure. We prayed healing for that man many times. And, and I, I'm no doubt that the prayers of the saints is what kept that man going for as long as he did. But when it was time to go, it was time to go. Finally, listen, we can have confidence in God's will. That's something that people wrestle with. But listen, you can trust the will of God. On the night that Jesus was arrested, see, oftentimes we feel like we need to take action. And when they came to arrest Jesus, Peter jumped up and said, it's time to be a man of action. And he pulled out a sword and cut off that, ser- that priest, cut off that servant's ear. And he, maybe he thought Jesus was going to be like, that's what I'm talking about, Peter. But you know what Jesus did? He said, put your sword up. He might have said, dummy. I don't know. Put your sword up, Peter. If you live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. Come on, listen. But then this is what he said. Shall I not drink the cup which my Father has given me? I know what you're trying to do, Peter. I get it, but you're wrong. Sometimes we want to uh, force the will of God. We want to change the will of God sometimes. And Peter was still evidently wrestling because he had already told the Lord one time, this is not be this far from you. And the Lord had to rebuke him. And Peter still, quick-tempered, drew that sword, cut that man's ear off. Man, if you get outside the will of God, you just you get violent sometimes. He said, shall I not drink the cup which my Father has given me? Even in this crisis, Jesus knew that God was in control. He knew that everything was still going the way God planned it. Nothing was going to happen that was not part of this plan. Jesus said in our opening verse, I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it again. In other words, Jesus said, all these people screaming, crucify him. Them men driving the nails in my hand and feet. Those people that whipped me and put the crown of thorn. None of those people have the final say in my life. Quit giving people the final say in your life. One verse that records the resurrection in Matthew said, I know you're looking for Jesus, but he's not here. He is risen as he said. You know what? You need to keep up with what he said. Quit worrying about what everybody else is saying and say, hey, you know what? I have uh, risen from the dead like he said. I've got victory like he said. Praise God. I've got victory like he said. Oh, this person said this about me, and they said this about me, and they think this about me so What? Who cares? You know what God says about you? That you're victorious. That I love you. That you're my child. That ain't nothing, uh, though a good man fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. Let me tell you, he has loved you with an everlasting love, and he gave his life and suffered so you could do the same. God's going to take care of you. He even told Pilate, this governor, that had a lot, lot of worldly power. He said, you could have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. You can't do nothing that God don't allow. And ain't nothing coming against you that God don't allow. And if he allows it, he knows you can stand it. He can trust you. Uh, Like Brother Arnold said, can God trust you with trouble? Let me tell you, God knows that he can trust his children. So if you're a child of God, negative circumstances cannot destroy you unless you let them. People do not have the final say in your life, no matter how powerful they seem to be. 
Even Satan himself does not have authority over you. God is in control. His plan will be carried out and his purpose for your life will be fulfilled if you follow him. This truth was born out of the hours that followed the rest of Jesus. From that point forward, he was hit with everything that he could be hit with. The, high, the people that were the high priests, the religious people in that time, they all everything they could throw against him, everything they could muster against him to, to brutalize him, hurt him, shame him, destroy him, tear him down in the sight of man, they did everything they could. They brought false witnesses against him, lied on all kind of things, just anything to destroy him. And still, three days later, he came out of that grave triumphant. The tables had been turned against the enemy and his forces. What they uh, is almost like with Joseph and his brothers, what y'all thought for evil, God meant for good. Y'all thought it was going to be the end, but God meant it for good. Death in the grave, which had previously been undefeated, suddenly knew what it was like to lose. Death had never been defeated, but till Jesus came along. Death, hell, and the grave were destroyed when Jesus came out of that grave. The best part of the story is that his victory is just like a preview to ours. The author of Hebrews said that through death, he might destroy him who had the power of death. So he had to die so he could destroy the one who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. The Bible says we have not received again the spirit of bondage to fear but we've been adopted. We're we're his children. The Spirit itself beareth witness that we are the children of God. If I'm the child of God, I'm going to do just like the Son of God did. I'm going to get out of that grave. I'm going to get out of that dark, terrible place. I'm going to live in victory. When we are in trouble, the one who has already triumphed comes to our rescue. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. He can comfort those because he's already went through it. Now he can comfort you. Hey, it ought to be comforting. It's sad. It's awful. It's hard to read and think about what he went through. But when I read about him coming out of that grave, oh, my victory. Honey, you can come to the music. Getting ready to finish with this. If you're at home, won't you stand with us as we get ready to to wind this service up today. The victory that Jesus had was final and complete. Nobody would ever have to come back and win this war. If you ever study war and have followed the world wars, Vietnam War, different things, and you'll read about places where we fought battles time and time again. We would take ground. We would win a battle, take a piece of ground. Then we would retreat from it and have to go back and fight that battle all over again. Lose lives and, and people destroyed all because we didn't hold on to the victory. But nobody was going to ever have to come and go to another cross. Nobody was going to ever have to come and, and walk that walk that Jesus walked in. His victory was complete. He won that victory once and for all time. Isaiah said it like this in Isaiah 25 and 8. He will swallow up death in victory. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces. And the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all the earth. For the Lord hath spoken it. On that day, death turned into victory. 
Tears transformed into triumph. Rebuke was replaced with comforting words from heaven. Jesus accomplished it all at the cross. It was the history of the world. It was the greatest miracle ever, and it still works today. It still works today. At the cross, we used to sing, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. Let me tell you, today, I don't know who's watching this. Let me tell you something today. I didn't always live for God. I lived a better part of my life. Well, uh, before I came to Him, I, I lived a good part of my life in ways I should not have. But one day I found myself at an altar praying and crying, repenting of my sins, asking God to have mercy on my soul. And let me tell you, if you knew me back then, maybe you know some of the things I did. There are some things that only me and God and maybe one other person might know about in this world, awful things that went on in my life. But I can tell you with a complete assurance today that Jesus forgave my sins and washed them away when I was baptized in His name. And I can tell you of truth that there's new life coming when He fills you with the Holy Ghost. If you feel like, hey, I need, you know, this is what I need. I'm carrying around the weight of the world and, and sin that I've built up my life over years. Let me tell you what you can do today. You can make an altar right there where you are. You can kneel down and ask God to forgive you. You can repent of your sins. That means confess them, uh, ask forgiveness for them, and then turn from them. I'm not going to live that way anymore. And then find your way somehow. You can call me. You can message me, message somebody, and you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And the Scripture says in Acts 2.38, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God should call. All that Jesus went through would mean nothing if we don't obey it and apply it to our life. Remember, if we've been in the likeness of His burial, we're going to be in the likeness of His resurrection. So today... Maybe where you are, you'll find a place to pray and ask God to come into your life. If you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues, hey, lift your hands right now and ask the Lord, I want the Holy Ghost. I want to be filled with your spirit. Lift your hands to the Lord and let him touch you and and fill you with the spirit today. Jesus accomplished everything we needed at the cross. You can trade that hopeless life in for hope today. And we are not victims, but we are victorious. I'll leave you with this last verse of Scripture, Romans 8, 37 through 39. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. I don't care what it is, in all these things, whatever it might be going on in your life, whatever failure you think you have, whatever label you've got stuck to you, let me tell you, I don't care what it is, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, height, depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It doesn't matter. Things past, present, things to come. He said nothing can separate us. Let's lift our hands and pray together right now before we end today. 
If you need to ask forgiveness, come on, pray and ask forgiveness today. If you need to come back to the Lord, then come back. He's waiting on you today. Father, we ask you right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, to bless the preaching of your word today. Lord, wherever this message has gone today, let it find the heart of some some precious soul and let it turn them around. Lord, let it change their life forever. God, let them find an altar of repentance. Let them find a place where they can pray and seek your face, God, and fill somebody with the Holy Ghost today. Whatever they're going through today, let them realize they are not victims, but they are victorious today in the name of Jesus. I know the enemy's coming, Lord, but you're already here with us to give us life and life more abundantly. Bless all those under the sound of my voice today. Keep them safe. Watch over them. Let them enjoy this resurrection day in Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Hallelujah. What a great God. I'm so thankful for the blood of Jesus today. It will never, never, never lose its power. It'll never lose its power today. Hallelujah. Wherever you are, the blood of Jesus can still wash away all your sin. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful for the blood of Jesus. How about you? Glory to God. Thank you for being with us today. Hope you have the wonderful Resurrection Sunday. Remember, you're victorious in Jesus' name. God bless you. Take care. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Praise God.